Hello, and welcome to Captive Audience. I'm your host, Kelly, and today we have uh, one of my oldest friends, Ariana. We went to high school together, and we're going to talk about In the Heights today. Um, Ariana, do you want to start with introducing yourself and what your connection to theater and musical theater is? Sure. Hi, I'm Ariana, as Kelly said, and my connection with musical theater really started when I was in middle school and high school. I was in the musical theater productions that our school put on, and I always just really loved music. I'm a singer and an actress. I write music, and I uh, write stories as well, so my connection with musical theater really just sums up all those parts of my life that I love. So we are recording in quarantine right now uh, as the next few weeks or even maybe months um, are going to be probably indoors. We both watched a regional production um, that is on YouTube of In the Heights. Um, If you want that link, then um, please feel free to contact me and I can send you the link to watch the show. So I want to talk about how we came across the show in the Heights. Um, Ariana, do you want to talk a little bit about how you came across in the Heights? Sure. Um, So I've heard about in the Heights. I've heard classmates mention it back in high school, and I never got the opportunity to see it or listen to the music. Uh, and it wasn't until recently when, in a voice lesson, my uh, voice teacher recommended I maybe try a song from In the Heights that I decided to finally listen to the cast album. And, you know, I went through and I listened to each song, you know, in order the way it's supposed to be, and just fell in love with the music and the story. You know, I thought it was a wonderful show there were some gaps not being able to see the show not knowing some of the plot line that goes along with it but overall you know I just loved the music was it me was it me who introduced who was talking about it in high school it was you and you know other kids in the theater department really who I can't remember by name it was years ago years ago hmm okay Um, Well, ironically, that's where I found In the Heights. Um, I found In the Heights when, oh my God, this is such a good story, actually. I completely forgot. I remembered the the first part that I wanted to tell. Um, So In the Heights um, was actually given to me by, and I'm going to say his name, Mr. Johnson, I believe his name was. Um, He taught at middle school that me and Ariana both went to, Cedarbrook, Um, and I was talking to him. Somehow we got into the conversation of musicals. I have no idea how that happened. Um, And he's my history teacher. I was talking to him about how much I liked musicals. And he said, well, there's this musical that, like, I like. um, Because at the time, it was beyond me that teachers had personal lives. And he was like, I really like this show. And it's called In the Heights. And he wrote it in my planner. And I really wish I still had the planners that they give you in middle school because there's a page in that planner that has In the Heights written on it. And at first, when I heard that it was a bunch of like rapping and stuff, I was I was like a little like ignorant punk back in middle school. 
Um, and I was like, I don't want to listen to rap. Rap is terrible. Like it, there's no class to it. And it's just like, I was a little punk um, who liked like anime and K-pop at the time. And so, uh, and, and musical theater, but it was more sporadic. Um, so I basically showed it to my mom um, and she got the cast album um, and I didn't listen to the cast album, which is not, I don't do that normally. I normally get the cast album and then I listen to it uh, regularly. Um, and so I remember driving up to New York and my, my parents got me tickets for my birthday to go see In the Heights, even though I actually didn't want to see In the Heights. And, but I heard it had won a Tony and I at least knew about a Tony when I was in middle school. So we were driving up to New York and my mom put the CD in and I didn't like it at all. And I was moaning and groaning the whole way up to go see In the Heights in New York, literally, I think like the year after it won the Tony. And uh, I was like grumbling about how much I didn't like it. And then I saw the show uh, and then I fell in love with it. And that is the end of that. And now it's one of my one of my all time favorite musical theater shows in the world. And it's only grown. My love for that musical has only grown um, with the years of talking about representation in Broadway and all of that fun stuff. So let's uh, quickly dive in. I want to talk a little bit about Lynn. So the way that he found this, the way that he came up with this musical, and I also want to, I'm going to put it in the show notes too, because I want you to read articles that I've read by Lynn. Um, but In the Heights actually came from the need to see himself on stage um, because he wanted to see himself represented on stage. And I think that that's a really interesting, a really powerful thing. Ariana, what do you think about the representation in this show? I think the show did a good job of showing, you know, it was based off of his home neighborhood, right? So I think mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, it did a really great job, especially with the language. I like that there were moments where they were going in and out of, you know, Spanish and English and even how the music was, that it was all a little bit of, you know, what he kind of heard in his neighborhood growing up. I like that it had representation for uh, Hispanic and Latino uh, actors and actresses who might not necessarily get an opportunity to uh, be in some other shows that are more whitewashed on Broadway. Uh, yeah, I, I, I told this to Ariana before we started recording, um, but there's definitely a, a point, I think, that In the Heights is one is one of the best conversations for representation on Broadway um, in any capacity, um, especially for La Latinx and, um, and Asian populations. I think that they are very sim. I want to say that they're very similar in terms of Broadway representation. Um, but I would, uh, Ariana, what is your experience as a, uh, as somebody who is black and is wants to do theater, like what do you see on on Broadway? The from where I come from um, is I'm Asian, and a lot of the Broadway representation that I see was like Miss Saigon, Flower Drum Song, which are all you know these these musicals written by white people, um, which are basically exotifying Asian culture. Um, and literally inserting a white savior narrative. And 
you like nowhere is this more present than like in like Miss Saigon and The King and I. And I really identify and really enjoy a lot of new musical theater writers who are putting Asian narratives at the forefront um, of their stories. And you can literally listen to the last episode um, because that is all I talk about with Aaron in the last episode. Um, Ariana, what do you think about, so what do you think about the Black representation on Broadway? And Well, from my very limited experience with Broadway, I feel like I haven't seen a lot of opportunities or at least roles that were created for Black actors and actresses. I feel like a lot of times it's either a show with you know, maybe a couple of black actors and actresses in the ensemble, or it's an all-black show. I don't feel like there's a lot of, I guess, mixed casts. It would be nice to see, you know, more diverse casts where it doesn't have to be all one or the other, but, you know, multiple people can be in uh, the show of different backgrounds. It would be nice to see more roles that kind of have a revolving door for who can play it. You know, it's like we saw Waitress uh, on Broadway, me and Kelly together. And when we saw it, uh, Nicolette uh, was playing Jenna. And for those who don't uh, know her, she's a black actress. And for me, that was a really huge deal because just about um, every other actress who's played Jenna up until that point were... Uh, you know, there weren't any black actresses that had an opportunity to play her. And later down the line, uh, Jordan Sparks also got an opportunity to play as Jenna. And I don't see Jenna as being a role that has to specifically be played by one race, but it had been for such a long time. So I like those roles where, you know, anyone of any race can, you know, come in and play that character. It's not limiting. Yeah, I think that something that In the Heights does so well is that, yes, the story is about a Hispanic neighborhood and it is so, like, I can't see a white actor playing Usnavi or a white actor playing Vanessa. And that is just because I think the story is so intrinsically Puerto Rican specifically, but also like Latinx in general, because what I always say about Asian actors that I don't think people really understand is that just kind of like, you know, sometimes you can't tell like white people apart if they're Irish or German or whatever. People don't really care about what Asian like is on stage, which is weird to say, but in the fight for like an equality of putting somebody on stage, I think it's really important that you put the Asians on stage. And I use the term as a monolith. Um, I think that you should see a lot more Asians on stage. And I think it's the same with uh, people who are Latinx, like specifically in the Hispanic um, Latinx spectrum, whether or not you're Cuban or Puerto Rican. Um, And that's just because I think that it's the thing that people need to do is they need to first see the representation, even as a monolith, before they can really like dive into specific stories. You know, and then I want to be able to dig even deeper into those categories and be like, yes, let's have um, this the story about um, the one that Telly Telly was just in, not soft power, but 
allegiance. It was called allegiance and it was about Japanese internment camps. You know, that would be an interesting conversation to have with other Asian actors of whether the actors in that show should only be Japanese American or if, you know, who should play what. And I don't think that that is actually a conversation that we're ready to have if we can't even cast, you know, if we're already having, if we're having problems with whitewashing in the Heights. Like that's not a conversation that people are ready to have. Um, but in terms of what you were talking about, Waitress, um, I, I feel, I love that Waitress was able to do, put in two women um, who were who were black in that story because I think that waitress is a universal story. Um, I agree with you on that. I don't think that it ha particularly has a, a race attached to it. Um, but like, if that's the case, then why wasn't Je why wasn't Jenna black to begin with? Why wasn't Jenna Asian? Why wasn't you know why are all because once we start talking about the universality of stories, then we need to start talking about you know why wasn't then why wasn't this person cast as this to begin with? Like, I have feelings about the fact that Dawn was cast Asian, and then they had Jenna Ushkowitz fill in for Kimiko Glenn, who originally played Dawn in the Broadway production. Um, and I was like, why couldn't that role have stayed Asian? You know, there are so many struggling Asian women who are actors, and like, why couldn't we just like use this role as, of Dawn as kind of a cycling through to just see all of the potential of all of these Asian women, because Asians are, are not on Broadway that often. Um, and there was like a picture that I might try and find. Um, it was a while ago, and it was a picture of all of the Asians who were on Broadway at the time. And it was 23 actors out of like, you know, probably hundreds of hundreds of people. It was like 23 Asian people. And that was it. who we were on Broadway. Um, and so I think that there needs to be a conversation um, about how if these stories are so universal, then why can't we cast a person of color to originate it and then just keep in that role? Because I think that that's another important conversation that we need, we need to have too. Whereas In the Heights is directly corresponding to what, who, who is in it, the race of the person who is in it um, is, it, is a Hispanic story or a Latinx story. And that's what should be represented when you cast the show. I mean, I think a really great story to tell is that one of the moments that I remember from seeing In the Heights is I, I distinctly remember, and this isn't a spoiler, but we will be getting into spoiler territory soon, is you know the song where um, Nina's mom blows up? Mm -hmm. Yep. I remember watching my mother, who was white, by the way, my mom, who was very white, watching that song and nodding. And she like looked at me and she smiled and she nodded almost as to be like, see, this is what I go through all the time because my mom and I am an only child and Nina is also an only child. So it's just my mom and my dad. So my mom was like nodding and being like, <laughs> like, see, like, you know, like I, and that was a really interesting moment to me because that told me that even though this story was intrinsically attached to people who were Latinx, um, that it was a story she could identify with anyway. And I think that that's something that In the Heights nails really well. So before we dive in, I just want to talk about the movie. Um, Ariana, did you watch the trailer? Maybe we should have watched the trailer before this. I did watch the trailer. I'm oh, good. What did, you, what did you think of it? I'm very excited for when the movie comes out. I think it's going to be 
different than the musical. Obviously, it's going to have to be. Uh, but, you know, I think it's going to be a good story. I liked the, um, I can't think of his name, the actor that's playing Usnavi in the movie. Anthony Ramos. Anthony Ramos. Yes, I think that's really excellent acting choice. Um, yeah, who played Lawrence in the original Hamilton. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah, the, I'm excited yeah. for it. Oh, and Daphne uh, Ruben Vega as Daniela. Mm-hmm. I think that'll be great, too. Who played the original Mimi in Rent. Mm-hmm. And anybody who knows um, Lynn um, well, not that I know Lynn well, but he loves Rent. So I think that this was probably like a big moment for him. And, you know, there were a few, there are like two Hispanic roles in Rent, which is really cool. Slash Latinx roles in Rent, which was pretty cool. I, I am, you know, I... Do not be surprised. There's definitely going to be an In the Heights movie podcast. Like, I'm definitely doing that. Um, and it might be like, I don't know, like a cobbling of interviews with like a bunch of friends because I'm planning on seeing this show with like 20 different people. Um, Ariana, if you need somebody to go with when you see Brent, <laughs> call me. I will go with you. For sure. <laughs> She's like, um, it'll probably like go something like, Kelly, do you want to go see In the Heights with me? And then I'll be like, well, this is only my 30th time seeing it, but like, I'll go see it again. <laughs> um, I am so for, um, you know, and it's directed by um, John Chu, I believe, who directed uh, Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah, yeah. I am very excited to see him. Um, so we're going to now talk about the show and what we thought of the show. So if you are adverse to spoilers, you don't want to hear any spoilers for the show, please um, contact me for the link um, and I'll give it to you and then go back to the go back to the to listening in the podcast. Um, But we're going to go into story right now. Um, So so uh, Ariana, what did you what did you think about the, the show? We can dive into spoiler territory now. I really enjoyed the show. Um, I liked that instead of kind of focusing on one character and his story, that, you know, there were a bunch of different little plot lines that were going on throughout the musical. And so instead of getting to know one character really well, you got to feel like you knew the neighborhood really well. Um, You know, the... Carla and Daniela who run the salon and you got to know a story about Nina and Benny and her relationship with her family. It really um, gave you access to everyone in the neighborhood and you know their relationships with uh, Abuela Claudia. You know, it was really good at developing those relationships. Yeah, I really, um, I really actually like the entire, like the entirety of Nina's story is so interesting to me. Um, the, the whole thing with, um, Nina's dad and, and, and Benny and the story of wanting to, like, Kevin being like, um, which is Nina's dad's name, being like, you'll never be Latinx, like, you'll never, you'll never, you'll never be one of us. I, that's so interesting to me. Um, Ariana, do you want to talk a little bit? I remember you telling me that was something that you liked, so I wanted to talk about that. Do you want to make a comment? Yeah, you know, it's, 
it was a really, you know, hard storyline to see because, you know, Benny, he, well, from what we know about Benny, from what we see of his story, he seems like he's a good guy and he truly cares for Nina and he's been around her since they were children. They grew up together and, you know, maybe he was a little bit of a troublemaker as a kid, but he seems like he's got a good head on his shoulders and he's trying to start a business and be responsible and you know just because of the fact that he's not a part of their culture directly uh her dad you know doesn't want him around her you know I don't know if it's maybe a sense of him not wanting his little girl to grow up of him being overprotective or you know if he knew Benny as a kid and he can't see him as you know having grown up and matured but you know it kind of felt for them that they kind of had to go through this struggle to be in a relationship together um even just in the beginning you know it's not like Benny was proposing marriage to Nina or anything they were you know really just getting to know each other better on a romantic level so in those early stages it was kind of hard to have to see him have to defend himself so much having grown up around them and grown up with them. Yeah, I think that there's a really interesting um, conversation to be had about interracial relationships, um, which is something that me and Ariana talk about a lot because we talk about it when we talk about rent. Um, and we talked about it with Waitress. I actually think in the in the show, we actually we actually in the podcast about Waitress talk about the interracial relationship now that we saw Nicolette and Jenna is is black and and Dr. Palmer was white and how interesting that dynamic is. I think there's something to be said about the fact that Benny is portrayed and I and I think is is he is black. Like I think that if Benny was and this starts to we start to talk about anti blackness in a lot of communities and not just the you know obviously like racism is is very prevalent and especially with like you know white people. Sorry, it's true. Um, but there is a lot of anti-blackness in Asian communities. And there's also a lot of, there's a little bit of anti-blackness in Latinx communities as well. Um, and so I think that it's really interesting that Nina's dad tells him, you will never be a part of us. Um, it, b- because that makes it so that when you redo in the Heights, Benny cannot be Latinx. Because otherwise that line would have no context. Um, like I was, I've always wondered, like, what if Benny was Asian? Like, what if Benny was like Filipino or what if he was East Asian? Like what would happen? What would her dad say to that? Um, I, because it's true. Like it's, the story can only be two and a half hours and we literally live with everybody, which is so well done and so great. But like, what would happen, you know, like what really is the root cause of Nina's dad not liking Benny? Is it because he's not their race? Is it because, like you just said, is it because um, he's, um, he was maybe like a little bit like of a punk back in the day and Nina's dad just doesn't trust him, um, which is weird because Benny's been working for him his entire life. That, like, that's so weird to me. Um, but, um, you know, that's, it's just a really interesting conversation that you can have about Nina's dad and and Benny. And I think there's also something to be said about the fact that she is an only child. You know, they do love their daughter so much. I wonder how much of that could be her dad just not, you know, it doesn't explore whether or not she's had boyfriends before or it seems like she was a very studious, very academic 
person. So maybe she hadn't yeah. had relationships before. And maybe, yeah. you know, it's something that's hard for her dad to swallow. But, you know, it's definitely interesting to explore more what his motives would have been. And I liked how, you know, listening to the cast album, you don't get to see that Nina's mom loves Benny. You know, she loves him like a son, like someone who has literally been with them since he was a child, you know, been Mm -hmm. around them, been, you know, uh, with them and worked for them. So, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, I mean, another thing, another little small point that I want to bring up um, is the way that the, this show deals with people's ages. Um, Because when I, when I think about how age, when I think about how age works, um, I think about the show, like, you know, I want to look at some of the promo images, um, the promotional photos of, of this show 10 years ago, um, and just see what everybody's ages were. Like, it's so interesting because I think that, that the Chris, Chris Jackson, um, who played the original Benny, um, looks so different from the Benny that is, was in this regional production. I think that Chris, Chris Jackson is much more built. There's a moment when they have, they basically, after the blackout, they go home together and it's implied that they sleep together. And then they have a song called Sunrise and Benny like comes out in this tank top and it does not look like he is like however old he is supposed to be. Like he, I think he's probably supposed to be, I think he's her age. Like I think they're the same age. Like Nina's 19, she's in first year of college. And I think that Benny is also supposed to be 19. Benny does not look 19. <laughs> I'm so sorry. But like, it's just like the, the, the builtness, I think of it is just, just fools me. Um, also, any, tr- any person who at this point, I'm 25. So anyone to me who is under the age of 20, just all look the same. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. The guy who played Sonny definitely looks much like I Sonny's age who is Usnavi's cousin who helps him run the shop is a mystery to me in the movie he looks like he's 15 uh he actually looks like he's 12 like the actor who plays Sonny in the movie looks very young um but I think Sonny's probably supposed to be around 15 or 16 well the only context also that they really give us to Sonny's age besides being Usnavi's younger cousin is that however old he is He's young enough to have had Nina as a babysitter. Mm-hmm. So I could see, so I could see him being like maybe fourteen even then. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does not look fourteen in the in either show. He did not look fourteen. Um, so I just think that that's a really interesting, interesting thing. Um, it didn't take me out, but I just thought that was very interesting. The the guy who played um, Sonny in the regional production that we watched. I think was taller than everyone. So <laughs> yeah. Um, I also don't know how old Graffiti Pete is supposed to be. I always thought that he was the same age as Sonny, but I, I don't always know. thought he was a grown man. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they should just call him Pete. I think the Graffiti Pete is giving him a little bit of like a a name, and I don't like a um, like a title. Which I think is making him seem older than he is, but um, see that look- what made me think he was younger. No, he and he also is just he was also just very old in the production in the Broadway production. He was much he's very old. No offense to that guy, he's great. Um, but he's just older. 
So, so what else, what else did you, what else did you really like about the show? Um, I would say that my favorite songs from the show by far are Piragua and Piragua Reprise. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I just think the Piragua guy is great. Um, I think that he, in the regional production, was the strongest singer, male singer out of the cast. I also think in the cast album that he is the strongest male singer in the cast. I just... You know, he brings a a comedic element to the musical, and he's also just, I don't know, it seems more relatable, more, I just really like how he plays in, and he's always there. You know, he's always there in the neighborhood, whether he's singing an ensemble part for Respira with, uh, that was Nina's song. Mm-hmm. You know, he's singing in that, he's singing in Carnaval de Barrio, um, Please excuse my really poor Spanish. I took French in high school, not Spanish, so my pronunciation is doubly worse. Um, mm. But yeah, you know, he he was always there in the neighborhood, and he even says in his song, like, this is his town. He runs this town. He's always there, uh, like a constant, just kind of reassuring presence in the show. Right. I think I think he is like one of the best. I think he's such a good character. I think. Um, wow, there's so many ways that I can branch what you just said off. Uh, I think the first one is, I totally agree. I really like the way that the company handled the ensemble. I also am not remembering if the ensemble was bigger or smaller or the same size as the Broadway production. Um, but one thing that they do in this regional production is during the transitions, they give the ensemble like little things to do. Like I remember there was um, this little girl um, who like plays jump rope and her mom takes her away and she brings her up like back to their house or whatever. Um, there's like a couple that are like walking around at night and then they break into like a little solo dance and then the next scene comes on and they move on. And I think that that is a really handy way to get you kind of in- involved with the ensemble because that is essentially what the show is, is that it's about a community. It's not about like a bunch of characters. It's about how all of these people like love and support each other, um, you know, through the blackout um, and like through all these these other things that they go through. Like it truly is a very supportive community. Um, And I think that In the Heights is probably one of the shows that does almost like an ensemble cast very, very well. But like other than that, like I really can't see this show being anything but the Latinx story. And I know in the movie that they're adding in a subplot with dreamers and illegal immigrants, which I am very excited to see how that plays out um, in the show. And uh, I want to talk about like my favorite song. My favorite song is actually When You're Home, which is the song, the love song that Nina and Benny get, which I kind of think is more than just a love song because it really gives context to their relationship and how long they've known each other. Just like the, the, the song is called Benny's Dispatch, when Benny takes over the dispatch. Oh, I um, like that song. And, yeah, and then Nina sings with him a little bit. I, you, can, you can feel that there's like a history with both Usnavi and Vanessa and Benny and Nina. And you, that is a feeling that I don't get from many musicals. You know, I think that the story of, of Benny and 
trying to like convince Usnavi and Sunny trying to convince Usnavi to ask Vanessa out. Um, and Vanessa being like, it's like totally like goes over her head, which I think is really funny. But the, just the fact that Benny and Nina have known each other for so long, like you truly feel it in When You're Home. I, I would go so far as to say it's one of my favorite love songs in musical theater. Wow. Yeah. And nobody at me about that. I will fight people over that song. I love When You're Home. What do you, what do you think about, what do you think about some of the romantic subplots in the show? Well, I really love the song Sunrise. True. I like the um, element of it where, you know, one of the things that Nina's dad mentions to Benny when he's kind of like telling him off is that he doesn't even know the language. So, um, which wasn't really a true statement. But anyway, Nina and Benny in Sunrise, she was teaching him like some Spanish words and, you know, they were really just connecting with being with each other um so i really liked that um and kind of like the duality to it like them singing with each other and singing over each other and you know her having more lines in spanish and his in english and kind of translating each other's phrases i thought was really nice really cute i really liked uh their relationship and one thing that i also wanted to mention off of what you had said a little bit earlier Kelly about it being a community show is that I like how it wasn't just Nina only interacted with Benny in the show Usnavi only interacted with Vanessa in the show you saw them interact with everybody so it might have been their love story but everyone was involved in their love story in one way or another yeah, like the the song that they sing in the hair salon, No Me Diga, No Me, No Me Diga. I don't know Spanish either. Um, is a really like interesting. Like they're like just talking about gossip, but like Nina's there, like getting her hair done, and like that's just so that's so it's such a world building thing. And I feel like I don't know world building to me is a very is a term based on like animation and, and fantasy to me. But I'm sure that's a universal term. Um, but it just builds a world so well. I, and I think that the people really underestimate, um, how well In the Heights does that. Yeah. I wanted to, to really just quickly, like, talk about the, the, the bilingual aspect of Sunrise. Um, I really love songs that have, like, um, bilingual, a bilingual experience to them. Um, because I think that I'm very like that quote that uh, Bong Joon-ho said about Parasite, um, which is kind of also what his translator translated for him, which was, once you get past the one inch of subtitles, you'll be opened up to a whole new world of art, which is true. I would love to see Lynn do an entire show in Spanish. Like, I would love to see, you know, I'm reminded of another quote from Modern Family, which is, have you seen Modern Family, Ariana? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was Gloria who's married to Jay, who's like an older white man. And Gloria has a very thick accent. And and uh, Jay was like talking to her. And she was, and there's a line that she says. And she says, if, if I could speak in Spanish, you would find out that I am very smart. But I can't, but I can't like translate it into it and it makes me sound dumb but I am so smart and you have no idea 
And I think that the, in America, where we focus our language on English and we want everything to be English, and this may come from also my my background of really liking Japanese animation, anime, and and watching things in Japanese. But really, there is such there is such a large world. I encourage you to watch things that are not just in English and are not just you know. I think that dubbing Parasite or making a series that is American that is Parasite based. I think that's I think that's nonsense. I think that that shouldn't be a thing. Make one that is in Korea, help fund it, and you know bring that over because I would rather see that than see like Americans like try and like you know you can't literally get over the one inch barrier is what you're telling me. And I think I told Ariana about this, but I did. I literally came up with a production of the last five years that is a bilingual production where Kathy is singing in English and Jamie is singing in Korean. And it's a, instead of Jamie being a writer, Jamie is a fellow actor with Kathy who gets recruited into a uh, K-pop like situation. Um, and the big part of the last five years is that Jamie is played by a K-pop star. And I, you know, there are so many elements that you can play with biracial, biracial plot lines when you have somebody who is, is half um, Asian and half black or half white and half Hispanic. That is another really fascinating dynamic to play with. People don't understand that dynamic. Um, and that's a story that doesn't get told a lot and I think should be told. Um, you can see it in Mixed-ish is the show which is a spinoff of Blackish. It's, it's so interesting, but just the amount of stuff that you can do with that kind of uh, plot line um, is, you know, expansive. Um, and once people open their minds to the, that kind of storytelling, I think that art will take a whole other level. Anyway, that's me on my soapbox. Is there anything else that you, you want to talk about, about the story and the, and the plot? The, the last thing I think that I would mention... Um for the podcast is how Abuela Claudia was kind of like a universal Abuela for the neighborhood. I liked how, you know, she was just, she was always there. It wasn't like she was one person's, uh, in particular's grandmother. She was just there nurturing everybody in the neighborhood and she treated them all as if they were her grandkids. And she, you know, was really just this pleasant uplifting spirit and character in the story and I find it interesting how she was the one urging Usnavi to go to go back to the Dominican Republic um you know book a flight and whatnot but then it was when graffiti Pete and I don't know if this was the same in the Broadway production um but when he spray painted a mural of her on Usnavi's door gate to his store that's Mm -hmm. kind of what made him decide to stay and it's kind of like even after she passed away she's still keeping the community together yeah I think that that's I think that that is that is something that was in the Broadway production um in fact I think they use like the same portrait like I think that I don't know they give you like a large jpeg image of that mural to like reprint and use for your show because I think that was the exact same image but yeah I think that it's, it's a really interesting uh, like it's so weird that Abuela is the one that encourages him to go back home 
And I think that maybe expresses that Abuela herself always wanted to, I think that she wanted just to go back home. That doesn't mean she wanted to stay home. She just wanted to visit and go back home. It, it kind of talks about an experience that Usnavi was, you know, basically, I would, you know, he wasn't born in America. They say that they brought him over or was this, they did, the Hebrew who was brought over as a baby. So he remembers nothing. So he might as well have just been, has just been born in the States. You know, the only thing that is different is that it says that he is from the Puerto Rico. I am from China. And that is the, and uh, on my passport, it says that I am from China. It says like my home country is China. And that, that to me means nothing. Um, and I'm sure that it is the same um, for the character of Usnavi. And so, and I feel, I do feel a pull back to China, but I don't feel, you know, super, you know, obligated to go back. I see my experience as an Asian American. And I think that that's a really interesting story that Usnavi, Usnavi has. Um, what did you think? What did you think about? How did you interpret Abuela Claudia's like willing, like willingness to go back and like bring Usnavi with her? I don't exactly think that she was trying to make him move there for forever, but. Well, wasn't he trying to sell his shop and go back to his home? Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. So, he, I it's... mean, he was going to leave because even Vanessa was, you know, trying to tell him, like, you know, I might yeah, be moving, true. but I'm just a train away. You're leaving the country. We won't see you again. Yeah. I mean, she clearly kind of reminisced a little bit about home um, in her song. I'm... You know, that's something that kind of perplexed me. I didn't really understand why she wanted to go back home. And it makes me wonder, you know, like, why his parents left in the first place. You know, did they want to, you know, move him to America permanently? Did they want to come back at some point? You know, maybe did she just want to visit? I don't really know. And unfortunately, there wasn't a lot of, you know, clarity there. I mean, you can only make a musical so long. But I well, it's almost like uh, the way that he called her abuela really made me think that she was his abuela, but she was not. Mm-hmm. She was not related to anybody in this show. Right. And even just the way that he took care of her. I mean, like when the blackout happened, where did he go? He had this girl that he was in love with that he could have, you know, been like, oh, Vanessa, like, I'm going to take care of you. But he went and he checked on Abuela Claudia, which showed what such a large impact even just him and Sonny had on her life because the other person who was going to get a portion of the money it wasn't Nina who she was also close to it wasn't Vanessa it wasn't anyone else in the neighborhood except for him and Sonny so somehow his family specifically I think really had a large impact on her and her on them yeah I'm sure when Usnavi's parents died um he Abuela Claudia is the one who took care of him and him and Sonny, and it's never said what happened to Sonny's parents, um, but I'm sure that Abuela, Abuela Claudia at least took very good care of Usnavi. I, Sonny was like raised in Usnavi's store, so I'm sure that whenever Abuela Claudia came to visit them, that Sonny was also included. It's just such a it's it's a weird thing that they would want to go back to Puerto Rico and stay there. I think that's the thing that perplexes me, not the fact that they want to go back, but the fact that they want to stay there. I want to go to China, but um, I want to come back here. Like, I just want to visit China, um, but I want to come back. And that's something that is, is a different, diff, very different um, with Usnavi's story and something that I would actually love to have a conversation with Lynn about because I don't feel a desire to go back. 
Um, and that might be because I wasn't raised in the culture, whereas Usnavi was very much raised in the culture. It was just transplanted over to America, um, where yeah. I, I was not at all. I was basically raised uh, white, if that makes any sense. Um, I mean, I'm thinking, you know, maybe he feels like he was missing something, like a, like a part of him was missing and he, went, he wanted to go back. But I wonder if he even really considered it before Abuela brought it up to him. Yeah. Because he never mentions it on his own. It's kind of when she says something like, I I don't remember exactly what song it was in, but it was in a song. Was it Hundreds of Stories? I when he talks about his name? Maybe. I couldn't tell you. But, yeah. you know. That was a plot twist I didn't expect. <laughs> the yeah. origins of his name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so it's so interesting how um, Abuela, Claudia, um, and New Snobby's, like, relationship like like they aren't related at all but it is such a strong bond that they have with each other it's so interesting and the fact that she dies is like very suddenly like literally right after one of the biggest numbers in act two um she dies um and it's very sad and it's um they sing that uh, they sing the song about her um uh not the one directly where kevin is singing about rolling down the windows. Um, uh, Everything I know is, I think, what the song is called, um, which is something that Nina sings um, about her. Um, And it's basically an insight to, like, how much Abuela Claudia has literally treasured every single person in that neighborhood. Um, Again, it baffles me how she would want to go back to Puerto Rico and stay there. Yeah, that is is something that is, is very, very interesting. And I'm sure something that she's, like, you know, her entire life she's felt like she needed to go back. Um, But... Wow, this show is... Ariana, this show is so good. <laughs> There's so many conversations you could have about this show. I love this show. Is that is that um, all you wanted to talk about? Yeah, yeah. You know, I think the... overall, I really like the show. It's really well done. Uh, if you, you know, really pay attention to it, there's a lot of themes and stories that you can kind of pick apart and, you know, look into. But I think it does a job really well. And I like, I really like and admire the fact that, you know, the inspiration and the basis of it came from his own neighborhood. It's like, just think about the neighborhood that you live in and this is his story. And he wanted to portray himself in his community on stage. And, you know, I think it was executed wonderfully yeah um and i'll definitely put who wrote the the book i don't know her name off the top of my head the so the in the heights so uh it's a musical with music and lyrics by lin-manuel miranda and a book by chiara allegra Fudes Fudes. and the it says the story is set over the course of three days involving characters in the largely dominican american neighborhood of Washington Heights. So she, uh, Kiara, 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 um, is the one who wrote the story, basically. And then Lynn wrote the music and the lyrics. And this has been like a big part of, I'm sure, both of their lives for, this is stories from the both of them, um, which was, which is really cool. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a team of Hispanic, Latinx writers. And that's, you don't see that that often. I don't, it won best score and it did not win best book, but I'm sure if it won best book and best 
um, musical score, it would probably be one of the first Latina, all Latinx teams to win. I don't know if you knew this, but like there are only two shows, actually three shows with like an all-female team or like a team of a book writer who is a woman and uh, uh, and lyric and music writer who are women. Like that's so uncommon and it's very recent when this has happened. The three musicals are Fun Home, which won the Tony in 2015, Waitress, which was 2016, and now Hades Town, which has been in 2019-2020. Like I think that's it. Like I- I'm going to look it up and double check my facts, but it is like astounding that those are the only like all like female teams on Broadway. Like it is 2020. And like, you know, the first one was in 2000, uh, 2015. Um, so, you know, and I haven't heard any of that ever for Asian writers. Um, and in the Heights, this is like an unprecedented thing. I don't think that's ever happened. West Side Story, which is the biggest Hispanic show I've ever heard of is Steven Sondheim, like the whitest, you know, person in the world and um, his two other white friends. And I not to be dismissive of Sondheim because I really love Sondheim, um, but I need you all to know that the gibber that, that Sondheim wrote Spanish in the original West Side Story, and it wasn't Spanish, it was gibberish. He wrote gibberish, like literal gibberish in the show to represent people speaking Spanish. And in 2009 or something like that, when they had their revival, they brought in Lin-Manuel Miranda to rewrite the Spanish lyrics. Like, it has been gibberish for that many years. And I just need everybody on the podcast to know that, because as much as I love Stephen Sondheim, I don't like that. I also don't like the comments that made, that Stephen made about uh, Miss Saigon casting controversy that was um, happening. Don't like those comments either, Stephen. I know you're 90, but you need to change <laughs> change it up. Uh, and like, I love Steven Sondheim as much as I'm putting him on roast and I am putting him on roast. Um, I'm going to hold you accountable, Steven Sondheim. Um, and the solution to that is just put out more diverse voices. And I think that In the Heights is doing a really good job of that. I want to briefly talk about the creative team. Um, but the thing with that is, is that they, the direction that they chose was to emulate the set design of the Broadway show very closely. So, but Ariana, this is your first time seeing the set. What did you think of the, what did you think of the set and the lighting? And Well, I could kind of tell that the set was similar to, or the same as the Broadway show, just from having seen uh, the Tony performance of oh, right. In the Heights. You know, I, couldn't tell you that it was 100% the same because that's all that I had seen of it. But, um, you know, I could tell that there were similarities in the set. But, you know, I think that that can be kind of important for someone who's never seen the show before. It kind of gives you an insight to what the original creator's thoughts were about the show. Kind of how they envisioned it, which I think is can be depending on the show, as important as keeping the lyrics and the music and the book all the same. But, you know, I thought they did a good job. I liked it. Yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, I think that the neighborhood is almost a character in a way. So I think it's hard to reinterpret in the Heights. Um, I am a set designer who at the moment is doing a lot of free work. But um, 
like if you if you said Kelly like how would you design in the heights I would probably give you the same answer with what I'm doing with Amelie in my head because all of these productions are in my head nobody is commissioning me to do anything right now um, is how I would design Amelie um, which is I don't think that you should change anything about it I don't think it should be a cerebral performance where you know you have like like a splotch of red and that means anger and it, you know I don't think that it's a I think in the heights should be in the heights. If I were to do in the heights, I would take a block of Washington Heights um, and I would transpose it. And then I would make it almost like a performers wandering around in the streets and you, the audience member are with them in the streets and the, the New York uh, buildings are surrounding you and you're watching the show happen because that's what essentially it is. When there's a blackout, all the lights go out, you know, for like two seconds and then they come back on. But, you know, it's a, I think with, the experience of In the Heights, I wouldn't take it away from its location um, unless, you know, you wanted to maybe reinterpret it in in actual Puerto Rico or, you know, you wanted to kind of like transpire or transpose it into another location, you know. So I think that the, the set designer did a good job with what they had. I also think that the show was in a community space. There are like parts where they kind of pan over to the sides um, and it looks like they're in like a community space. Um, so it doesn't look like they had much room, but it was really well built. Like I fully thought that was like, a, I thought it was a touring set. Um, like the first time I kind of glanced at it. Um, so big kudos to them. And of course the, in the, uh, in the credits for the show, they have, um, uh, credits to the people who build it, the technical director, and the people who helped. Um, so hopefully you'll you'll look at that. I don't want to put any names um, or anything anything that traces anyone back to the production. Um, is there anything else that you want to talk about? No, I think no. we covered everything. Yeah, I would like to say stay tuned. Um, there are going to be, I mean, not in the immediate future now that the movie has been postponed to October, um, but there are going to be you know, I'm, I don't remember if I said this on the, on the podcast or if I just said it before we started recording. Um, but I'm planning to do for the one year anniversary, um, of this podcast, which I'm pretty sure has already passed, or maybe it was in May. Um, I'm planning to do a round table on representation, um, which I'll be inviting Ariana back. Um, and one of my friends who I want to go see in the Heights with, and is probably going to be on the, in the Heights, um, podcast. Her name is Gabby. Um, she will hopefully also agree to be on a podcast and hoping I'm saying her name without having ever asked her to be on this podcast. <laughs> but um, so thank you to Ariana for watching this show. As soon as Ariana told me that she had was listening to the cast album, I was like, oh, so you want to sing? So I think a really good song for you to sing would be Breathe. And then she said, oh, that's exactly what my voice teacher told me. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, I'm glad that Ariana was able to watch it and we were able to talk about it. Um, In the Heights is truly one of my, one of my most favorite musicals. You know, I would, no offense to Hamilton, I would say I love In the Heights more than Hamilton. I would, I would. Of course it changes all the time. Like literally my top five musicals change all the time. But currently In the Heights, I do like In the Heights more than I like Hamilton, as much as I like Hamilton. Ariana, is there anything you want to plug? Oh, well, just... You could check out my website, arianna.nicolemusic.com. Ariana with two N's. Uh, yeah. And I'll, I'll put any link that she tells me to put in in the description below. Um, 
Thank you for coming, Ariana. Thank you for having me. Thank you for watching In the Heights. I really told her like three days ago. I was like watching the Heights. We're going to do a podcast about it. <laughs> um, as soon as she told me she was listening to it. So um, thank you for your fast turnaround. Um, it's been so fun to talk about the show with you. Yeah, it's been um, great. Yeah. And thank you listeners for listening to the podcast. We'll see you in two weeks. Um, I'm really trying to do Star Kid stuff, but um, I'm also trying to do some other stuff and break it up a little bit. But we are in this quarantine and that prevents a lot of us from seeing shows. You know, we'll see. Um, but thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.